Hello, and welcome to the Economist Intelligence Unit's Digital Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Swaby. This podcast is sponsored by DXE Technology, an independent IT services company that specializes in digital transformation. We thank them for their support. Innovation in manufacturing technology sparked the original industrial revolution. Today, the integration of digital technology and manufacturing equipment is said to underpin the so-called fourth industrial revolution, a testament to the height of expectations for the technology. However, there are mixed signals on how fast and how effectively this integration is taking place. A 2018 study by PwC found that two-thirds of manufacturers globally had only just started or not even begun a digital transformation strategy. More recently though, the EIU's IoT Business Index found that manufacturers leapt forward in IoT adoption, one measure of the blurring of digital and physical operations, between 2017 and 2020. In this episode, we discuss the potential, the challenges and the future of two dimensions of digital manufacturing. Firstly, the integration of digital functionality in manufacturing processes to monitor, manage and predict performance and to link together participants on the value chain. Secondly, additive manufacturing or 3D printing, which is by necessity a blend of physical and digital systems. My guests are Dr. Lau Hong Yi, Director of the Digital Manufacturing and Design Center at Singapore University of Technology and Design, and Klaus Müller, Chief Operating Officer for Asia at Bearings Manufacturer Schaeffler. I started our conversation by asking Klaus how far digitization has progressed at the company. All right, so I, I would say digitalization in Schaeffler started already 20 plus years years ago. We have a huge uh, department where we build our own machines and we always were going to take data out of our processes, learn out of the data and steer our machines and our, our processes. So this is a long history already. I'm dealing with data and trying to improve our processes. For sure, um, the last last years we saw acceleration in, in the market of uh, available technology. Mm, the IoT landscape globally increased. We call it probably the next industrial revolution or synchronomics. So in the last five years, we became very clear where we want to go with digitalization and how we should approach the challenge. We are talking about digital semi-autonomous plants, and for that we have a clear scope in proceeding how to transform our existing plants. In this case, uh, we're looking at four dimensions. One would be the holistic process to ensure the end-to-end perspective, so that means supplier to customers, full value stream. We're also looking at digital key technologies, starting with connectivity and architecture. We also look at the workforce, the involvement of our employees, our people, our customers. And uh, for sure, we are looking into data management. I think that's the key key enabler here. So we are looking in all the key areas of development, for example, virtual reality, artificial reality, um, 3D layouts, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, digital shop floor management. And for all these topics, we have started and accomplished uh, pilots. So we learned on the way, and now we are in the midst of implementing them through our own production network. And which of those, uh, are any of those that are actually having impact on the way you produce products so far, or are they still in an experimental phase? So the way of our production changed in the way that that we are able now to have real-time data, so that means make better and, and faster decisions to steer our processes, to utilize our, our equipments much, much better. In terms of our products, when we look into 3D printing or simulation, 
Um, we increase the speed of development and optimization of, of products itself. For sure, the supply chain management is, is benefiting from real-time data and connectivity from, from suppliers to our factories or from ourselves to our customers. And I think a tremendous change we see also in how people work in our, in our plant and our factories. Um, the job scope is changing. We are enhancing, our, I think, the responsibility of our people from standard old school uh, manufacturing processes to more bringing more intelligence, more decision making, more steering and managing processes. Uh, when you think about the, the progress, uh, as you mentioned there, that, that digitization really back began for companies such as yourselves 20 years ago, do you think progress has been as fast as you would have expected back then? I think not, because there were always a lot of ideas in, in our heads and missing technology or not affordable or too expensive technology was always hindering. Um, always a dream of how to connect a machine and let a machine talk to each other. I think that's a very old idea, but really to do it in a holistic way, to not have only one data set talking to each other or, or transferring one data set to, from one machine to the other, but also now being able that these data sets being analyzed and then there's a qualified answer of an of a algorithm to the next process. This only has been available in the last couple of years. So we see, uh, I think, an exponential increase now in availability of possibilities, um, which we can really implement in our, in our production flows. That's great. Uh, one of the, the dimensions of digitization in manufacturing that you, you mentioned there was 3D printing or, or additive manufacturing. Um, Hong Yi, uh, 10 to 15 years ago, we, we heard a lot about 3D printing. There were predictions that every home would have a 3D printer at one point. But I don't think that those predictions have come to pass. And we don't seem to hear, um, f for the layman, I don't seem to uh, hear so much about 3D printing or additive manufacturing as I used to. Uh, uh, what's happened there? Has it, has it lived up to the potential or is it quietly being adopted just behind closed doors? Oh, I think AM is definitely happening in the manufacturing sectors. In Singapore alone, um, we are already seeing the um, almost complete value chains of the industries from you know companies that provide software for design to equipment to material suppliers and increasingly service bureau, as well as the companies who adopt uh, AM for in-house productions. Um, so, so I would say um, perhaps from a consumer perspective, um, um, we don't see products as identified as made with 3D printers because uh, today's a lot of the adoptions are mostly at the component levels. So, so I guess that's why you know consumers don't see it that way. In terms of um, you know what you've just said, 10, 15 years ago when 3D printing was perceived as something that's gonna change drastically how you know our products are made, we are gonna be able to make our own product at home. That's not happening. Um, I think that's um, mostly at this point in terms of personal adoptions of the uh, technology. It's a lot of hobbies. Um, part of part of that is that. Um, you know, the material used uh, for 3D printings, um, some of them are not necessarily something that you would use at home. So, but I, but I think in terms of the manufacturing sectors, I think it is very exciting now. Uh, and what would you say has been the impact so far of uh, additive manufacturing on 
on um, manufacturers? Uh, as you say, it's more at the component level. Uh, uh, what impact has that had on the industry? Well, I think, uh, firstly, I see a lot of the uh, technology-centric startup adopting um, AM processes or 3D printing processes because the nature of additive manufacturing processes allowed the idea generation to prototyping to make in a very, very fast speed as compared to traditional sort of sequential um, sort of way of doing things where you know a designer design things and a material engineer comes in and decide what to use and you know production floor comes in to decide what manufacturing process constraints there are. So I think that has changed quite a fair bit in terms of how sort of advanced uh, product or you know, technology centric kind of startup uh, is able to move much faster compared to traditional um, sort of um, startups. Um, besides that, I think in the um, sort of the more established industries like aviations, uh, marine and offshore, the ability to you know very quickly uh, produce in-house part for in-house use has also changed quite a fair bit of um, the supply chain in these industries. As the industry learns to not just replace parts uh, with their in-house edit processes, um, we will see industry recognizing the other advantages of AM processes. For example, um, with AM processes, the number of parts and components can be substantially lower than traditional, uh, traditional way of uh, making things. So the design of product or you know, whether it's replacement or end product could take a substantially different form than traditional product to manufacture it. Um, sort of flow. Uh, Klaus, can you tell us a little bit more about what additive manufacturing means for Schaeffler, how you put it into practice? So in, in Schaeffler for additive manufacturing, I think we have a, a wide field of, of applications. Uh, for sure in our development area, we are able now to test different materials, combine different materials and design different geometries which were not possible in the past with, with these specific materials. Um, when we look into our designs and on prototyping, it's possible to be much faster, to uh, more cost-effective to start with the first first designs, and go into a discussion with our customers, and um, accelerate our design and development processes. When we come to our production process, there's uh, more usage now on, on producing our own spare parts, for example, machine components for our own production. Uh, modification of our processes, uh, handling units and conveyor belts, for example, which gives us a big benefit because we start to get independent and can react very fast to machine breakdowns or uh, even to optimizations. We also are much faster now when we come to helping our customers in, in solutions when they have an idea. Before we, we produce a part out of, of metal normally, um, 3D printing enables us to be fast uh, having a mock-up with them and, and to go into a discussion much, much, much faster. So I think the whole value stream or value chain from, from design, the first idea, to the end customer, to repairs on in the field, it's benefiting from 3D printing. So beyond the manufacturing process itself, uh, digitization, of course, allows manufacturers to uh, integrate their processes across uh, functional and organizational boundaries. So you get it, you, it has the potential at least to, to improve uh, information sharing uh, down the manufacturing value chain, down the supply chain, and therefore offer new kind of services and new levels of integration. At Schaeffler, 
uh, how, how has the company pursued this kind of direction of innovation, tying together different companies and, and organizational structures? Of course, we started inside our own, our own organization, trying to uh, connect our own production and one production site. Then the next step would be to, to link the connectivity to our support functions, to supply chain management, to purchasing, to then our logistic providers. And then developing a an, an unique or yeah a network where data data is shared in real time. Um, we also go then into our our systems with our customers for and we started it with supply chain management um, to really synchronize their demands um, and to be able to react in a very very fast way. Um, globally. I think the potential is not only from, from supplier and customer, but also within our companies, within our suppliers for machines, for spare parts, where we can have a, a full transparency and, and, and predictability probably, um, how our machines will perform. I'll give you an example, uh, machine spare part management. Um, we have very standardized machines all over the world. If we are able to predict based on, on big data when a machine will fail, we can have a forecast of our inventory for spare parts. We can integrate it into our suppliers, telling them when most likely we would need this kind of amount of spare parts. They could be ready to ship. So I think this is a, this is a big dream of this connectivity, the big data being predictive in, in what will happen, but also synchronizing then with customers and suppliers to make it all work together. Uh, how far would you say you are from that uh, that vision of uh, the ability to predict uh, sort of breakages and uh, a wear and tear on components to, to such a degree that you can actually preemptively uh, tell your suppliers when you're going to need them those those components to be replaced. So we have done all pilots with certain suppliers with certain customers with, with logistic networks um, to see if it if it if the case study works if this is really a- applicable and and where do we need what kind of data to really make it useful for for all of us. Now a dimension of the global economy comes to there that we have uh, a Korea totally different market and a different network of of suppliers and customers than we probably have in Vietnam or in South America. So now we we cannot say that one solution will fit everywhere. Abstract, it worked with our our network and now we are adapting to local local requirements to to, um, local borders, whatever we, we have here in our global economy today to, to make that happen. So yes, we tested, we have these pilots um, in, certain, in certain fields. So we made the proof that it's gonna work. The proof of concept is done. So now we step-by-step step are on the way to integrating more and more suppliers and, um, and customers to that. There was a time when uh, people saw manufacturing, the manufacturing sector as a source of a high volume of medium and perhaps low to medium skilled jobs. Um, but a, a, as we're hearing already um, today, uh, for, for many parts of the sector, it's becoming a highly technical industry and therefore requires highly skilled employees. Uh, Hong Yi, do you think this has been a constraint on the digitization of manufacturing? Uh, and if so, what can companies do about that? I guess uh, instead of thinking of it as a constraint, I would say it's a necessary barrier to overcome. Um, you know, as I mentioned a little while ago, design of a product with AM process in mind itself um, take a very different uh, mindset change, or as well as uh, the skills that are needed. Um, 
So um, the you know so so I I think the uh, training or sort of professional training skills upgrade is absolutely necessary if we were to see a faster adoptions of AM uh, in the industries. Uh, can you give us a little characterization, perhaps, of, of what is the mindset that is required? Um, how do companies need to think differently about design uh, for um, uh, additive manufacturing processes? So, for example, today, um, if a product designer, you know, or with whatever information, product, sort of market information, a product designer were to begin with, you know, designing a product, right? So the first tool you know, product designers typically use is a computer-edit um, program or a, a, a CAD a software, where a, a product's uh, concepts is you know it's sort of created in in this computer software. Uh, at this point, typically product designer doesn't uh, sort of at the design stage doesn't take into account. Uh, what specific processes is going to go into to making these, or what are the constraints of the processes um, that's going to affect how the product is going to turn out? With AM, however, um, there is a an opportunity where at the product design stage, you know, the product designer could potentially already know what are the constraints of the process window, or even know what are the potential material or to 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 consider or to avoid. So that sort of crossing the domain knowledge between product design to potentially, you know, computation engineering, could potentially, you know, production processes, um, that could be potentially overwhelming, you know, from uh, sort of today's um, sort of um, knowledge or skill set point of view. And how have you seen, if at all, uh, companies successfully adopt those mindsets? Is it a matter of experimentation, maybe maybe using some of these hobbyist kits to, to get into the mindset, or, or, or what's the best way? So, so actually, I was chatting with Klaus before we started, and uh, what we see quite often uh, uh, with company, uh, you know, interested to adopt AM would be begin with a tabletop, you know, three D printer, begin with engineer playing with it and see what is the possibility. And from there, it, it becomes a, you know, a stepwise learning process. However, I think there is opportunity where uh, sort of professional training uh, that uh, offered by, you know, there are some company that are offering such professional training, consultant company, for instance, where you would train uh, using advanced uh, computational software, uh, where one would, you know, not just learn the product design, but a a advanced software that integrate designs to make. Um, so those advancements could assist in the learning and the training as well as the adoption of the technology. As, as listeners may know, Singapore, where, where you're both based, is viewed as a world leader in adult education and lifelong learning. And it, its skills future program, world-renowned program, gives workers vouchers for training courses throughout their careers. Uh, has this had a, a visible impact, do you think, on the technology sector in general and in manufacturing in particular, Hong Yi? Well, I'm seeing more and more companies um, sort of uh, taking advantage of the skill future in Singapore. Um, so uh, the university or the uh, sort of research institute or performers are working closely with the government to design such training programs. Um, so and I think that's that's a... It's a great example of you know a public-private partnership to sort of uh, speed up the adoption or the training of the uh, necessary skills for the technology. Klaus, how, how have you managed the the human side of digitization? So the the whole topic of digitization 
is a is a huge change program, a transform program for for the whole industry and then also for us. So the first thing we we need to understand is that the people will be always key of our production. The only thing which will change is responsibility and the skill set we need to have later on. So there are some there are some fears. Um, will I, will people lose their job? Will we automate everything? Will there be only cobots and, and AGVs uh, running through our factories? But that that's not the way we we see that. We see really the people in the in the in the middle in the center of our production system, and now we have to get them ready that they can that they can work with the technology advantages we will have in the future. So besides these change programs, we're understanding what change will really come. Of course, we see. Um, new skill sets uh, are required. Some skill sets are related to technical uh, technical topics like uh, edif- uh, additive manufacturing, uh, software programming, um, synchronization, big data management, algorithms programming. Um, this is something we we can learn. We can we can see in the market. We can get with with uh, acquiring startups, for example, and we can self self learn that. The other point is how do we establish or how do we readjust our organization i think hierarchical organization will not work in the future as we are working and talking about scrums uh, agile uh, meetings um, bringing competencies fast together uh, synchronized with the development of technologies so what we are doing is we allow we allow a lot of testing and then kind of a fail fast approach as we said for 3d printing for example um, it's it's quite affordable at the moment, but give op, uh, people the the room to test the limits of the system, to test their own limits, and then to grow with the task which will come in the future. On the other hand, we are working uh, with universities, we're working with startups uh, to acquire the skills and uh, to help us also to understand what are the latest developments, and then of course the adjustment of all the job descriptions, the job scopes we have, and even defining new jobs which we did not have five years ago. Uh, is one part of our HR system, which we are which we are doing right now. But I believe in the future there will be even more new jobs which we don't, which we cannot name today. So it's a technical change we have to do and, and a skill set change we have to do. But also it's a change program for mindset and awareness how future production will look like. Um, there should be no fear that it's very important for all our our employees. On the other hand. We have to highlight the chances we see here to motivate them that they go this path because it may also means that everyone needs to everyone every individual needs to change now now in the future not losing but gaining more skill set and uh yeah more trust also from our organization to make decisions are there any examples uh that of new roles that have been created or you expect to be created as a result of digitization um, at Schaeffler? When we now have the, the phase behind us where we collect data with sensors and, and bring them into a, a big data lake, for example, now the question is how do we utilize all this data? Um, we are there to, to program a lot of uh, small applications or apps or widgets. So one, one core competence we need now is a so-called product owner. Somebody who understands the data and the architecture of the the technology infrastructure, but also the process, and then brings both together and is the owner of this widget or this application for the future. 
um, because it will further develop. There's this, uh, today it's not like this, that we program an app and then this app will be there forever. There will be advancement in technology, in data availability and, and speed. So these applications, these products need to be on, go on and on developed. So today, a classical software engineer probably could not do that. So we need to, to give the software engineers also the capability to understand the process and the customer requirement and the need. What is the benefit? What is the value add for our customer? Why do we need this data? And what can we take out of this data in the future? So this is, for example, one, one um, job we, we would create. What we also do not have in, in entire uh, setup now is the whole topic of OT security. With all the connectivity, with all the data we, we can send from one place to the other, with all the different hardwares which will come into our systems now, the, the uh, real-time tracking of, of parts or real-time tracking of containers uh, crossing borders, uh, not only from one plant to the other plant to a warehouse, but also countries. So this is uh, really vulnerable for us um, to protect ourselves, the product and the customer at the end. And here's a huge potential where we do not have the right um, skill set written down yet or defined. What does all belong to the topic of OT security? So I think these are two, two big examples um, which will develop in the next, next uh, years. To close, I'd like to ask both of you where you think um, this is heading. Where does digitization uh, take uh, manufacturing companies and the manufacturing sector in general and indeed the world around us so much of what we interact with on a daily basis is manufactured so how is this going to affect the world uh, and i'd like to ask you first klaus where is this taking us i think digitalization has a, has a huge potential um, not only to be better connected with our suppliers our customers uh, to create more value but also in terms of sustainability uh, we would Predictive predictability of processes. Uh, we can reduce waste. We can uh, simulate uh, impact on environment. Um, we can have better, smarter designs. We we can have more functionality in products. Um, so that, that's that's on that side where I see big potential. On the other hand, in our own production, our own workforce, how people work in the future, I think we become more independent, more faster. Um, we, we're going away from from just people working in a factory to being more enabled to make decisions and to create value, be part of the value process and um, yeah, just be more resourceful with what we have. Um, because we have the data, we are, we are, we are transparent and um, yeah, I think the value add, the, the part of the value adding will just increase for, for everyone. Hong Yi, your own research looks at uh, additive manufacturing at the nanoscale. Uh, what's the potential there and, and what are the frontiers of innovation? So from a technology standpoint, um, AM is uh, still lags behind um, uh, the traditional manufacturing processes of electronics, you know, for example, sensors, microelectromechanical devices. Uh, today, these products are made by you know, the legacy lithography processes. And today's lithography processes routinely produce um, technology at the sub-100 nanometer resolution. Um, AM technology, and you know, in, in a sort of scalable manner, at best it at tens of microns kind of resolution. 
So I think uh, this would be uh, a interesting challenge, uh, both for academic and industries. Uh, obviously, I think AM would still have its um, sort of uh, benefit even for these uh, industries because um, you know the process of many of the devices are actually built up you know sort of layer by layer. So uh, in our research, uh, you know we hope to push this frontier in terms of the pushing the resolution of AM processes. And what kind of products do you think that will enable in future? I think like today we are seeing you know cyber physical system happening in manufacturing, in large machinery and, and, and engines. I see cyber physical system happening or expanded into consumer level kind of product. So and by that token we are gonna see the demand for more electronics in consumer consumer level product. And I'm not talking about mobile phones. Um, so, but the, the design of consumer level product with, you know, the uh, constraint of electronic and sensors demand, you know, both the design and the process uh, to be, you know, looked at from a very different perspective. Um, so I, I think um, pushing the resolution of AM processes could allow in the future product, consumer level product, for instance, to be made with more, more electronics, if you will. Um, and through these electronics, um, you know, eventually consumer products are going to be the cyber-physical uh, system. I'll just give you an example for example, healthcare or wellness devices um, or wearable uh, therapeutic devices. So we see the need uh, for such devices to be fitted with, you know, increasing number of, you know, sensors and electronics. Again, today's way of producing these sensor electronics just makes it, you know, very unattractive, you know, from a personal wearable point of view. Potentially, uh, you know, with additive processes, one could co-fabricate product with the electronic, uh, with the necessary electronics in there. So the idea of instead of a product being, you know, designed for instance with a slot for the sensors, uh, a product can be designed and made with the sensors at the same time in the same process platform. Great, uh, Klaus. Hong Yi, thank you both very much for joining us. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the EIU Digital Economy Podcast. And thanks again to our sponsors, DXE Technology, an independent IT services company that specializes in digital transformation. If you haven't already done so, please make sure to subscribe on your platform of choice. Next month, we'll be discussing the digitization of human capital.